So, the first thought is, you see both of us get up here and thought, oh, what are they doing today? Well, today, as it's been mentioned, it's the 156th anniversary of Glendale Christian Church. And there's a lot of things going on in the life of our church right now. Um, just today, it's veteran, or yesterday, it's Veterans Day, and so we've celebrated that and we've honored that. Uh, after service today, we're going to have a potluck meal and so uh, we want to encourage all of you to go downstairs. There's going to be plenty of food. Um, if you came in and you smelled something, you're like, man, this smells really good in here today. Like, it's because they're down there cooking food. It's going to be great. If you didn't smell anything, well, you probably were a little too close to me this week. And uh, you need a three-day quarantine. Uh, yeah, so that's a whole other story for another time. But uh, It was a lot of fun around the office this week. Yeah. So can't take them anywhere. Uh, so we want to encourage you, even if you didn't bring anything, you think, well, it's a potluck, I didn't bring anything, doesn't matter. Go downstairs and eat. There's going to be plenty of uh, food, and we'd love for just it to be a time of fellowship and, and gathering together. Um, a little bit later today, we're going to, in this service, we're going to celebrate our Operation Christmas Shoebox. Uh, I asked Annie what our totals were, and she was like, I'm going to karate chop you, so I just like backed up and uh, but we're going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of over 250 boxes, uh, shoebox. Yeah, that's something to celebrate. Uh, and so I'm really grateful for those who have participated in that and for Annie and just the way that she's led this, uh, this uh, outreach. Uh, we're going to have an impact on at least 250 children's lives who are across the world, which gets me to what we're doing today. Uh, today we're going to talk about the mission of Glendale Christian Church. We talk a lot about mission here. Um, and so as part of that, like that outreach, that's part of our mission because what is our mission? Leading people. All right, wait, 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 wait. There are like 200 people here. Chris counted this morning, so there are like 200 of you here today. So um, we're going to have to do a little bit better than that. What's the mission of our church? People. Absolutely. Leading people to love and follow Jesus. And so like, that's what we're doing when we send shoeboxes uh, across the world. We're having an impact where we're, we're leading children to love and follow Jesus. And so Glendale Christian Church for 156 years has been trying to faithfully do that, to lead people to love and follow Jesus. And one of the reasons that I wanted Mike to be up here today is because I wanted Mike to kind of give some historical perspective to that idea that we've... Like, this isn't a new idea that we've had, uh, that from the time there was a group of people who met and said, this, this community needs a church, they've been, that's been their goal, that, that they wanted to lead people to love and follow Jesus. And I wanted Mike to talk about that, because him and Moses came down off the hill with the tablets that had the original mission statement inscribed on it. I led the way. You, I know. <laughs> if, if, I wish you'd have killed those two mosquitoes on the ark, though. That would have been helpful. <laughs> um, I should have. But tell us about and snakes. The, the original mission. When, when, tell us a little bit about the organization of this church, how that all came to be, and what the original mission was. Well, the Glendale Christian Church existed before Glendale, the uh, Christian Church, existed here. Because in 1824, a uh, group of people came together and formed what was known as the Stone Church, or the Old Stone Church at Star Mills. And that was a union church, and you all don't understand union churches, but it was different congregations meeting on different Sundays. For instance, 
the Christian church met two Sundays and the Methodist church met two Sundays at the Stone Church. And uh, some of the people, they began to talk about leading people and they said, you know, we're going out of our community and it's a long journey from here to Star Mills. Now, how many of you have been to Star Mills? You know where the cemetery is at Star Mills? That is where the church stood. And in some of the slides this morning, you saw the picture of the stone church. The stone church was torn down uh, about 50 years, uh, 40 years ago. And some of the stones in the sign that, that's out front are from the stone church. Uh, Sonny Hatfield tore down the stone church. He bought it from the Methodist. Uh, they were the last ones there. And uh, so some of the people decided that, you know, they wanted to have a church in their own town. And it was a long journey over to Star Mill. So they started meeting in homes in 1867 here in Glendale. And, uh, and that was in the fall of 1867. And then in the spring of 1868, they moved from the homes to the schoolhouse, which was located about where we're sitting. And uh, the schoolhouse was, was a one-room schoolhouse, and um, I forgot his name, but anyway, uh, one of the first Christian hymnals written by and published by the Christian church was uh, the professor or the music teacher in that schoolhouse. And the schoolhouse got so big that, uh, and I, I'll tell you his name later, I can't think of it, John, it was Cayley, Tom Cayley. Uh, but anyway, that was a discussion we had yesterday, I couldn't think. But uh, the schoolhouse, Robert something, and there are several hymns in our hymnal today that were published and written by him. But the schoolhouse got so crowded that the music room moved out to the coal room. They put tarps or sheets over the coal and had the music room in there. So they had risers, you know, coal. But uh, in 1867, the Methodists met two Sundays, the Christian church met two Sundays in the schoolhouse. 1879 uh, led them that we need to have a place where people can see and be drawn. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. And so they decided that they needed a place. And in 1879, they built the building that we have next door and it cost $1,800 to build that building and to furnish it. There were two stoves that sat at the front of the building and uh, they would heat that building with those two stoves and uh, closer to the stove, the warmer you got and the sleepier you got. But uh, it, it was that was the building until 1950 when they remodeled it and dug a basement. Uh, so that was that building and they were drawing people in. And I wish I could say all the time, it was a great time, but uh, they had a couple of preachers that uh, upscounded with some problems. They borrowed money from people in church and moved off and left them on that. Uh, they were uh, several preachers dismissed over the years. There was a time in the 30s and I found this letter, a person, I didn't find it, a person gave me a letter that they found when they were tearing the cabinets off the wall in their house and this letter had slipped down behind those cabinets and this letter in the middle of 30s 
that all the elders and deacons resigned because the confidence of the congregation was not with them. They were all elected back, but they all resigned and were elected back the next week. So it was just a rallying around and, and changing that. But in, 18, in 1879, they realized they needed to lift up the building. In 1900, they added the steeple and then the tower on the steeple with the cross that, as again, Jesus was lifted up and people could see Jesus. We restored that in 1979. Uh, we put the steeple back on. Uh, that was the 100th anniversary of the building. In 1950, they added. 1959, they remodeled and put the paneling on the building, uh, making it more comfortable. Oil furnace, uh, now it's gas furnace over there. Uh, 1976, we added the back building. $18,000 was the back building. $1,800 was the cost of the first building. Uh, it, was it was remodeled in 1909, and they put in the stained glass windows, and the front window is supposed to be done. You all contributed greatly to the stained glass window fund. Uh, it was a two-year project that has now been seven years, and not done, but it will be done pretty soon. We, we grew and things happened. And Paul said, forgetting those things which are past. Now, I don't think Paul, and in fact, I'm confident because he told me, uh, I don't think he's talking about the fact that we don't remember our history. Paul's talking about those, th those things that hinder us in our growth. Paul's talking about those things that we hold on to and not look forward. And, and the great thing about the growth and an anniversary is that we look back upon the good things. We look back on the happenings and, you know, we're all building on the shoulders of those first ones who came and had the vision to build the building, had the vision to come. It, it was not easy to decide to leave the security of where you fellowshiped every Sunday and come over and start a church here in Glendale. But they had that vision. They had that hunger. And let me tell you a unique thing. They built the building in 1879. James, are you listening? They built the building in 1879 for $1,800. They got the deed to the property in 1882. The deed to the property is listed, and it's upstairs in the hallway on the educational building. And it says where the Glendale Christian Church now stands. I don't think you can get money on property that a building that you've already done, but they didn't. They did the building. So that was faith. That was the faith that they had a responsibility, and they did it. And we're building on the shoulders of all those people. We're building on the shoulders. And Paul said, forgetting those things, forgetting the failures, but learning learning that we have grown and we have developed and we had faith to build this building and we moved into this building in February of 2010 and we paid this building off two and a half million dollars in six years. Wow. Golly. That is faith, but it is providence and the hand of God and that hand of God has been upon us and with us 
and guiding us through all these years. So two things you said there that I want to I want to want you to circle back to, um, or one thing that you said, and I, one thing I asked that you didn't answer. Uh, you said we're building on the shoulders of, of all those previous generations, and we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But what was the original mission statement of the church? The original, when they when they uh, built the building in 1879, everyone in that meeting, and we did the same thing in 1979, and we have a list of all the people that were in attendance. And uh, Gary, you remember. Uh, we all signed that covenant, and the covenant that uh, they signed in 1879 is we promise, and there's several things in it, but we promise to do housekeeping for the Lord. And uh, I think we, we see this building not, you're the church, folks. You're the church. This is the building of the church. This is the house of the church. And this is where we come. This is where the bride of Christ we join. But, but you are the ones who keep this house. And it doesn't necessarily mean sweeping the floors and cleaning the cobwebs. It means keeping this house vibrant for the Lord Jesus Christ, full of worship, full of hymns, full of joy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so part of that, we're building on the, you know, the, the, shoulders of those who came before us you know their mission was to keep house for the lord um we we don't use terms like that anymore today we say we're going to lead people to love and follow jesus but it essentially is the same meaning we're, we're going to keep house we're going to make sure that, that 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 there's a church for people to come to that there's a place for people to worship and that's what we're after the same thing and, and i love that just that idea that you talked about building on the the shoulders of others because I would say one of the things that even before I, I, I came to Glendale, one of the things that I, I knew about Glendale was that this was a generational church. And, and what I mean by that is that there, were, there have always been generations of, of families who worshiped in this church. In fact, let me just, because I think there's probably some, but maybe there's not as many as I think. But just a show of hands, if you are not the first generation of your family to worship here, raise your hand. Like there, you, there are generations before you. Uh, if, let me just say this. If you're a child and you're here with your parents, you're not the first generation, okay? So some of you are I may, maybe confused by that. But um, we're a generational church. There, there's, this has always been home to people in this community. And, and, and that's one of the things that we want to continue to grow on is that we want this place to be a home for for the next generation to come. In fact, that's one of the conversations I have often with, with people when anytime there's change invoked, all right? So nobody likes change, do we? We all, we're resistant to change. Um, and I think that's not necessarily because we think the change is going to be bad, but, but life changes quickly, right? Everything in our world changes so quickly. And so the last thing that we want to change is our church, our place of worship. Like this is the one thing I can hold on to. It's the one thing I can control. And as we get older, our elasticity, our flexibility starts to, to go away. You know, when, when you were younger and you had plans for, for the weekend and, and you had to change plans all of a sudden, you know, a baby got sick or somebody couldn't go or whatever, you just changed plans and you did something else and it was no big deal. Now, as you've gotten older, if you have plans and things, something changes in your plans, like, you just don't go, right? You just, you cancel your plans. We, we're, our flexibility, our elasticity to be able to change 
gets, it, it, it loosens, or it, actually I guess it tightens, as we get older. And so when I have conversations with people about change, that, that, you know, maybe there's a change coming to the way that we do something. One of the things I always ask is, would this change want, make your grandkids want to come worship here? Because that's what, at the end of the day, like, it can't be just about our preferences, right? Like, we have preferences, and, and I want things a certain way, and you want things a certain way, and, and somewhere we got to meet in the middle. But at the end of the day, what we want is for the next generation of Christians to, to want to come and worship here. That's what we're after. We're, we're leading them to love and follow Jesus so that they can lead people to love and follow Jesus. And, and the more we're resistant to that, the more... Our, our generations start to fade away. In fact, let me give you some statistics. Um, and, and this will make sense. This is not earth-shattering news by any stretch. But those who did not grow up going to church. So m- most of you, you probably grew up going to church. Many of you grew up going to this church. Those who did not grow up going to church are just as likely not to go to church as adults. So if you didn't grow up going to church as you become an adult, you're not very likely to go to church as an adult because it's not what you were raised with. We, we tend to hang on to things that we're familiar with. But here's the thing that, that I don't think we often recognize is that those who are students as they go to church, that as they get older, their, their idea of leaving home, of leaving security, of, of doing their own thing, that idea grows even more in their heads. And did you know that roughly 70% of students stop attending church after graduation? That's... That's astonishing. 70% of kids who grow up in the church, when they leave high school, they quit going to church. And, and I found a, a Gallup poll that gave five reasons. It was the five most common reasons why students stopped attending church. And number one was this, that they moved to college and they just stopped attending. 34% of those that were interviewed said they just moved to college and basically they didn't plug in to a, 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 Christian, a student at Christian fellowship or to a church that was in that community. They, and so they just stopped attending. 32% though, this was second, said church members seemed hypocritical or too judgmental. Now, I'll push back a little bit on that because 18-year-olds, and this is no, no offense to those of you who are in that, this age category, but you all think everybody's hypocritical. Um, you think everybody's too judgmental. And so, and guess what? We are. That's just the fact of life. And I would just say this, if you find a church that's not hypocritical, don't join it because you'll ruin it, right? That's how, that's how that works. Um, 29% of, of students said they did not feel connected to people in my church. This is why we have things like potlucks. This is why we do those kind of things, because we, it's an opportunity for people to connect. And here's what I would encourage you to do as you go to a potluck today. And sit with somebody you don't know. Sit with somebody you don't know and spend five minutes getting to know somebody so that you build a connection with them. Um, because, look, most of you would say um, there are multiple people in this church that come every Sunday, I see them, but I have no idea who they are. You do. And that's okay. You don't, have to, you don't have to raise your hand and admit to that because I know it. Because you ask me, like, who's that person? Right? Like, I, that, that's a conversation I have every Sunday with people. It's like, oh, who, who's that? Well, they've been coming for six months now. And it's like, well, who are they? And it's like, well, get to know them. Go ask, go ask their names. Like, right? Let's build some connections. Let's build some bridges so that we build generational faithfulness. Um, 25% said that they disagreed with the church's stance on political or social issues. And 24% said that work responsibilities prevented attendance. So, so students are leaving. But, but here's, here's the good news in all of this. Is that as students leave and then they become adults and they get married and they have families. 
Those who attended church as a child are 38% more likely to return to church as a young adult with their families. Because there's something that happens in us that when we get to a certain age, it's like, and we start having our own kids, we're like, you know, there's, I, I, need, I need something. There, there's a void here that I need filling. And so they start coming back to what they know, the church. And look, I'll say this. The church has an obligation to be home for those who grew up in the church. All right, The church has an obligation to be home for those who grew up in the church. But it also has an obligation to be home for those who didn't grow up in the church. See, we, we, we can't just focus on those who have left and have coming back. There, there's a whole world out there that needs to know Jesus. That needs to, to be led to love and follow Jesus. There's a whole, whole world out there that needs to know that there's a place where people keep house for the Lord. And so we have an obligation as a church to... To be home for for those who grew up in the church, but also for those who didn't grow up in the church. But then, let's take it one step further. This church, this church, Glendale Christian Church, because we can't do anything about other churches and other communities. And really, what other churches and other communities do is not really our concern, right? We've got to be worried about what we're doing. We've got to keep house here. This church, Glendale Christian Church, has an obligation to be home to those who grew up in the Glendale community. And to those who now find themselves in the Glendale community. We have an obligation as a church to lead all people to love and follow Jesus. We had a great conversation this week with a guy from uh, Bosque, I guess. Is that, um, and he, he comes over uh, every so often to, to talk with, with Mike. And, and they let me be a part of the conversation this week. And uh, we just had a really great conversation. And one of the things that he said was, you know, look, there's a lot of people that are moving in that you know and he said I'm hopeful that your church you know that that they come to your church and what we told him was is is simply this is that we want to be home for those people who find themselves not at home right like that's that's what we want to do we want to be home for those who are not at home because there's a plate there's a growing population in our community of people who who did not grow up in this community who don't understand all of the things that, that where the stone church is. And, and uh, if you watch the, uh, the, the loop this morning, like the Holy Roller, they, 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 uh, some of you all saw that. You, you understand that reference. Uh, the Holy Holer. Yeah, the Holy Holer. Yeah, the Holy Holer, not Holy Roller. Get the Holy it right. Holer. Yeah. There's a, but there's a whole group of people who, who don't understand that, that, in, that connection, right? And we have an obligation to be home for those people just as much as we have an obligation to be home for those who grew up in this community. We're not forsaking one for the other. We, it, it's, it's, it, and it's how we build generational faithfulness. Because at the end of the day, what we want is to lead people to love and follow Jesus. And we want their kids who grow up in this church or who maybe don't grow up in this church. We want them at, at the end of the day to be able to say that they want to lead people to love and follow Jesus as well. Go ahead. Two things. The Holy Holer was the outhouse race in Glendale Crossing Festival a few years ago, about 50. But a few years ago, we had an outhouse race, and the Holy Holer was pushed by Brent Holsklaw and a couple of others. And uh, they are not good pushers because they got off track. They, they say the wheel did came off. But anyway, they pushed it up in the crowd and ran over three people, sent them to the hospital. Uh, that was the last year we had the, the race. But one of the things you're talking about, 
lifting up Jesus Christ and leading people. The Glendale Christian Church in 1955 uh, made a motion that we have a full-time minister. That means a minister living here. Mm -hmm. It was voted down soundly. 56, it was voted down soundly. 57, 58, 59, 60, voted down soundly. In 1963, they finally approved having a minister here on, uh, well, 62, they voted on it. In 63, they built the parsonage where I live now. They, they voted, built the parsonage. And Adam, you're the fifth minister on this field. Mm -hmm. And people, they realized if you want to lead people, you had to have a minister here leading the congregation. And that was a very big move. Absolutely. Because with a part-time minister, coming on Sundays, maybe on Wednesday, they were having a hard time paying. And taking that leap to have a minister and pay him to live right here was a, but it was a move that was needed because if you want to minister to your community, you've got to have a leader. And that leader has to reflect Jesus Christ wherever he's going. Yeah. And so that's what Michael often say things, uh, he needs to go home. And I said, no, 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 no. Because Mike has been the perfect example for me in how to lead in this community. So when we talk about as a church standing on the, the shoulders of other people of the generations that came before, before, I get to stand on Mike's shoulders. Now he's a little humped over now, and so, he's a, so I have to stand a little taller. Where you're standing. <laughs> yeah, but, but, you know, for 50 years, Mike has been a faithful leader in this community. And, and I'll say, honestly, it's shoes that, that don't feel very easily, I'll tell you that. Uh, we, we go somewhere, and uh, I say, oh, you're the preacher at Glendale, right? And Michael go, no, 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 he is. And, and I was like, no, no, no. I said, but, but it's, I said, well, he's still the boss. And he said, no, no, no. I said, yeah, yeah, he's the boss. Um, we call him the Pope. It's just not his ring that you have to kiss. Um, <laughs> that's my favorite joke. Um, what do you mean, joke? <laughs> but but all of that just to say is that our goal is to build generational faithfulness and you're a part of that you are an absolute part of that if whether you're you're a second generation third generation or maybe a first generation but you're a part of building generational faithfulness in this community and, and for 156 years that's what this church has been about this community of believers has been about about building faithfulness in our community so that we lead people to love and follow Jesus. I want to close with this. At number six, uh, cha uh, chapter six, verses 24 and 26, uh, there was a song a few years, uh, uh, written a few years ago, we've sang it a couple times here, called The Blessing. And, and the words from that song come directly from this uh, passage of scripture. And it's just a, it's a, it's a prayer. And, and it just says this, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. For 156 years, I think that's been the prayer that has been answered uh, of the Glendale Christian Church, that the Lord would, would bless us and protect us and, and smile upon us and be gracious to us, to show us his favor and to give us peace. And my prayer is that for the next 156 years, and however many more till the Lord decides he's ready to come back, that this will always be a place that we pray that, that the Lord would bless us and keep us and guide us. Can I add one thing? Absolutely. May I add you're, one you're, thing? You're the boss. Clancy's here. May I add? 
You know, the secret, the honest secret of church leading people to love and follow Jesus is that you've got to love Jesus. Amen. And the church is the bride of Christ. And guys, if you don't love your wives, you got problems. And guys and ladies, if you don't love the bride of Christ, we got problems. This is the bride of Christ. The church, Jesus told us, you love your bride. And he says, I give you the bride. This is the bride of Christ. This household of faith has stood here loving Jesus. And if you don't love Jesus, you're never going to lead anyone to follow him. I was very blessed in having a great wife. She put up with me. We're very blessed that Jesus Christ puts up with us. Amen. Let's love Him and let's give our hearts to Him and let's surrender to Him and say, you're my Jesus and I love you. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I am following Him. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Then act like it. Won't you pray for us?